Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Your Bibles this morning. Let's go back to that scripture we were looking at a couple of weeks ago. Let's go to Big John, the Gospel according to John, and uh, let's go to verse 12. Years ago, when Mary and I were at Bible school, the teachers would, would talk about how there's milk of the Word and that there was also meat of the Word. And uh, at the time, I, I thought it was interesting that, of course, us students, we wanted the meat. That, uh, you know, we're, we're ready for the meat. And uh, we wanted it. I don't think we knew what it was, but, uh, you know, we wanted, to, we wanted to believe that we had our big boy pants on and we were ready for it. And uh, there were times that we would get into a service and Brother Hagen would be ministering and he'd get to a point and he'd pause and he'd stop and he'd say, oh, I wish I could give this to you. Oh, I wish I could say this. But, you know, you're, just, you're not ready. And I'm thinking, you know, on the inside of me, I'm screaming, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And uh, he was right, I wasn't. And uh, so I often wondered there, you know, what's the difference between the milk of the word? Remember, he, he tells us to desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. Well, what is that milk? And uh, I found out that the milk of the word is talking about those things that we have freely been given by the Lord. Things that, that he's imparted to us, things that we didn't deserve, things that we didn't earn, things that were just freely given to us, like our salvation. And talking about our salvation and all it encompasses and, and all that we've become, well, that's milk of the word. But the meat of the word talks about our responsibilities as a believer. The things that we willingly do, things that we willingly set down, and things that we willingly pick up to, to truly be his followers as a disciple. And so I think that this verse here in John is meat. Because yes, he's freely given us his love, but now... He, he tells us that now you're responsible for what you've received. And he says here in, in verse 12, you with me? I'm reading from the King James. He says, this is my commandment. How many of you know that word commandment is kind of strong, isn't it? He's saying, I'm commanding you to do this. He, he commands us that we love one another. 
That's our responsibility. We received his love freely. Now Jesus is saying, I want you now to take that love that you've received, and I want you to love one another. And he, he differentiated what kind of love he was talking about, because you know the world has its kind of love, doesn't it? The world kind of love, obviously, is an emotion. But he says, I want you to love one another like, not like the world loves one another, but I want you to love the same way that I loved you. And that, that takes a little bit of chutzpah to, to love someone the way Jesus loved us. That love that he expressed to us, that love that he demonstrated for us. How many of you know that we weren't so lovely when he gave it to us? <laughs> we certainly didn't earn it. We certainly didn't deserve it. But yet, he made the decision, not the emotion, but the decision to lay down his life and love us. And that's the reason that, that it was part of God's plan is to put that love that we're to love one another with, to, to, to put that love that Jesus used to love us, to put that love inside of us. Look over here in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. It says here, halfway through the verse, again from the King James, he says that the love of God, everybody say the love of God, is shed abroad into our hearts, or is poured into our heart. Now the Bible tells us that God is love. It doesn't say that he has love, it says that he is love. Well, if, since we've been made in his image, couldn't we say that we are love? After all, our love now is our nature. We have the, we're his offspring. We're his children. We're made after his likeness and his image. And because he is love, when you receive Christ and the Holy Spirit came inside of us, we became love. And for me to say that I can't love this person, but I can love that person is wrong and is untrue. You and I, because God's love is inside of us right now, it's our very nature, we can love the unlovable. We can love the undeserving. We can love those who have hurt us. Amen. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who has been given unto us. So right now, we have the nature of love. We are love. And in the same way that God loved us when we were unlovable, now we can love others around us who are unlovable. How do you know? We've got a lot of unlovely people around us. You ever notice that? But we can love them. Now bear in mind that this, this love that, that we are is not an emotion. I'm not ashamed to tell y'all that when I, quote unquote, fell in love with my wife, it wasn't the God kind of love. 
It was an emotion. See, the God kind of love loves because it wants what that other person has. Amen? That's why we, we find ourselves saying, well, if you do this, I'll do this. And so we, we understand that that's the world kind of love. I'm so glad that I, I finally got a hold of God's love in my relationship of being a husband to my beautiful wife. Where love was no longer an emotion, but it, become, it became a commitment. It became me honoring what I said to her when we stood at the altar. Till death do us part. Amen. So, if we're to walk in the God kind of love, if we're going to be successful, then we need to know what God's love looks like. We, we need to be able to recognize it so we can do what? We can imitate it. Because we're told over there in Ephesians to imitate God as dear children. Well, when we imitate him, then we're going to start acting like him, talking like him, treating others like he's treated us. And so we're going to talk a little bit this morning about what the God kind of love looks like so we can recognize it and we can discern whether we're actually, you know, emanating that love towards others. Now, the question is, what does God's love look like? What does God's love look like? I'm here to tell us this morning that we all know exactly what it looks like because we've already received it. It's already been demonstrated to us. In fact, that's what drew us to him. His goodness manifested through his love towards us is what drew us to God. So we already know what his love looks like. What does it look like? Him giving us what we don't deserve. Aren't you glad? You know, I, I fought and, and battled with that concept of God for a long time. I was brought up in the denominational church. I was taught that God, you know, he's kind of a schizophrenic, you know? One day he's putting his arm around you, and then the next day he's stealing one of your loved ones. Hmm? You know, we used to use expressions like, well, I wouldn't say that, or, you know, lightning's going to strike you. Or if I ever went to church, the roof would fall in. Am I the only one who used to say those things? And we, we just had this concept of God is that, yeah, he's, you know, he, he's a loving God, but you've got to watch out. He's got a, he's got a mean streak. He can get you. And so I always thought that I had to get good enough for God to accept me. You remember those days? I had to clean my act up. And you know, if I can just get good enough, maybe one day God, you know, he'll embrace me. But you know, one day the revelation came that I'll never be good enough for him because he's perfect. I never was, never will be. 
And I found out that Jesus became the image of what the Father is like. And I began to see how Jesus, you know, loved us just the way that we we were, that in all of our imperfection, in all of our failures, in, in all those ways that we just, we just didn't measure up. And yet, in the midst of that, he loved me. Someone said this about John 3.16. He said, you know, that scripture really didn't mean very much to me until I put my name in that verse. I'll use my name, for example. For God so loved Bruce that he gave Bruce his only begotten son. And when I saw that he hung on that cross for me, it was a deal changer. I mean, it was a deal changer. That he, if I was the only person on this earth that needed a Savior, Jesus would have climbed up on that cross and died for me. And that's awesome. And so we see the love of God in manifestation through the life of Jesus. And it took on different dimensions. You'd see him sometimes talk to the religious people, and he was firm with them. You saw the love and manifestation when he, changed, when he chased the money changers out of the temple. But then you saw him in places where he was so compassionate, caring, and loving. I remember the, the story of uh, these men that, that caught a woman that was in the very act of adultery. And you understand that the law said that that, that was punishable by stoning. And so these men that, that caught this woman in the act of adultery, they brought this woman to Jesus, and they were thinking in their mind, well, if he's really going to be the Messiah, he's going to honor the law. And she'll be punished, and she'll be stoned to death in his presence. And so they brought this woman to him, they explained, you know, what she was caught doing. It's, it's kind of interesting that the man wasn't there that was caught with her. See, they had a boys club back then, too. It's <laughs> not a whole lot of this changed in human nature. <laughs> but they brought the woman that they happened to catch. And they said, the law says she's got to be Stoned, she's got to be judged, she's got to be killed, she has to pay for her sin. And Jesus, uh, the Bible says that he began writing in the dirt on the ground. Now, we, we don't know what he was writing, but it must have been significant because as those accusers of this woman would approach Jesus and we make the assumption that they see what he's writing in the dirt. One by one, they left. 
Now, I got to assume that he was writing down what they were guilty of. Maybe some of them were fooling around a little bit. And he's writing down, well, what about, you know, this night when you were over at so-and-so's place? Or what about, you know, that, that money you embezzled from so-and-so? Or what about this? What about that? And so they began to see their standing with God through their behavior. Now, one thing that we've got to do, and we've got to fight to do this, we have got to separate between the old relationship with God through the law, which was based on our behavior, and the relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ, which is grace. Religion is pounding people, talking about their behavior, and if their relationship with God is based on their behavior, if that's the case, we're all in trouble. I'm in trouble. I am not a perfect individual, and far from it. And so in this relationship we, we have with God now, our relationship has nothing to do with our behavior with God. The reason our behavior is important now is because it keeps us out of the snare of the enemy. But it doesn't expose us to the judgment of God because everything that I did wrong has already been judged. It was judged on the cross. Past tense. All of my wrongdoing, all of my sinful behavior, all those things that I've done, am doing, and will do in the future has already been placed on Jesus on the cross and has been judged. And that's why nobody is in hell today because of their behavior alone. Maybe I should say that again because we, 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 we've not heard that very often. Right? We haven't practiced that very often. We look at people and we start seeing how they're living and we go, well, they're not going to heaven. And then we'll look at someone else and see how they're, they're living and we'll say, well, they're going to be there. No. You can't look at anyone today and have a smoking gun that they're on their way to heaven because your relationship with God is of the heart. Amen? Any more than you can look at an apple and it's all shiny and looks delicious, but you have no guarantee that you'll bite into it and it'll not be rotten on the inside. Our relationship with God is based on what Jesus did for us. And so the only requirement to go to heaven is to have accepted him into our heart and in our life and made him our Lord. We received him as our Lord. We received him as our sin bearer. And once he's in, this, once he's in our heart, we're now born of him. We're now a part of the family of God. And we're on our way to glory. Amen. Amen. 
So they brought this woman to Jesus. And they said, look at her. Look at her. The law says that we need to judge her. But one by one, as Jesus wrote in the dirt, these accusers left. And here in John 8, 11, Jesus said to this woman, this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. He says, neither do I, like these men who have walked away, neither do I condemn thee. That's good news for somebody like me. Amen? I trust it's good news for you. Right? Because my relationship with God is not based on how good I am or how bad I am. Now, he does say this to her. He tells her to go and says to do what? Sin no more. So we know that he wasn't condoning that behavior, but he was pointing out that a lifestyle like that can get you into trouble. Amen? Now, I want us to see this in this, because remember, we're trying to figure out what love looks like. Jesus is just showing us in this example. First of all, he didn't condemn somebody who deserved to be condemned. He didn't condemn her. And in that, there is forgiveness. In that, there is a way to remove that behavior so it no longer trips us up and causes us to stumble. So since we have the love of God in our heart, we can be free from condemning others, talking about others, judging others. I should, should have got an amen right there, right? I don't have to talk about my mother-in-law. I don't have to judge that coworker. I'm free from that. He didn't condemn me, therefore I'm not going to condemn others. And also, on top of that, I can forgive the undeserving. You see, one step in the direction of unforgiveness is a step in the direction of judgment and condemnation of another person. The love of God doesn't do that. The love of God sees them like God sees them. And so you and I today, right now, even in the midst of this, ser this service, we can forgive those that have done us wrong. That'll be kind of hard to listen to country music after this morning's service. 
<laughs> right? You know, someone did me wrong song, you know? <laughs> you see, it's amazing how you and I accumulate weights and things that bog us down. We accumulate them through life. You know? And, 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 we, and we carry those things through life. We, someone, you know, you know it, sometimes it's a parent. Sometimes it's a sibling. Sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes it's a best friend. Sometimes it's an ex-spouse. Sometimes it's this. It's, it, it just, we, we, somehow they hurt us. Somehow they violate us. Somehow they take advantage of us. Somehow they don't receive what we've given to them. And we begin to, because of our pain, because of the hurt, because of the sting, we put up this defense mechanism called condemnation and judgment. And we retaliate with our judgment. And we carry that around through life. And we wonder why we deal with depression. We wonder why we, 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 we struggle with wanting to get out of bed this morning. I, I like what uh, Joy said this morning about good morning. The first, the first one, the G, is get out of bed. <laughs> get up. Amen. You know, we have so much to live for. We have so much to live We have so much good things that we have. And it's not necessarily the worldly things, but it's that relationship with him. So the God kind of love ignores imperfection. Now, you know, my mom was German and she critiqued everybody <laughs> and that kind of got off on me. You know what I mean by critique? Thing. And you know, we got to watch it. Every day. Every day we're, we're tempted to think of something about someone else that really isn't very favorable. So look what it says in Ephesians 4.31. Is anyone having fun yet this morning? Is this a, is this a good service or what? I told you it was not going to be milk this morning. It'd be what? Meat. So this is what meat's like. You got to chew a little bit. You got to make self-evaluations and assessments. You got to start moving things around. You got to start making adjustments. You got to start moving towards the direction of him. Ephesians 4.32 says this. Be kind. Be what? Be kind one to another. Now, this isn't saying be kind to those who are kind to you. No, I'm kind even if they're not kind to me. Tender hearted. 
What does that look like? Forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. That's what love looks like. That's what we need to be practicing today. That's the light we should be walking in today. Now there's one other profound thing that I want to look at real quick. We're we're just about there. Remember Jesus on the cross. We've pictured it in our minds. Some movies have tried to depict what it was like. But it it was the most horrific way to kill somebody was on the cross. And here's Jesus, the one who didn't deserve to be hung there, but he was doing it as our substitute. He became us on the cross. So his very act of allowing himself to climb up onto that cross was because he was doing it for those who didn't deserve it and didn't earn it. That's one thing that I'm trying to get settled in my way of looking at life. There's nothing out here that I deserve, and there's nothing out here I can earn. Everything that is good comes from the Father above, and he gives it to me as an act of favor towards me through his grace. Hallelujah. And so here's Jesus. He's hanging on the cross. It says in Luke 23, 33, that when they had come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And his male factors, one on the right and another on the left. Now think about what he's thinking about while he's on the cross. Now remember, he he was 100% man, 100% God. And I know for for a fact that when he was up there, the part of him that was 100% man was thinking some things. And thoughts were coming. Emotions were being stirred up inside of him. And he's thinking, here's the very people I came to save. And they have whipped me. They have beaten me. They've put this thorn of crowns on my head. They've made me carry this cross on top of this hill. They nailed me to this cross. They've put me up there and some are still mocking me. There was a part of him that wanted just to call down the the angels of heaven to make things right in that moment. But he had made a decision. And this is the only way you and I can be successful in walking in love. We've got to make the decision to love the unlovely. We've got to make that decision. It's a decision. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Is not anything other than being motivated by giving someone else what you've already received from the Lord. And Jesus made the decision. 
I'm here for them. And he cried out to his father in verse 34 of Luke 23. He said, Father, forgive them. And you understand that they're in the very act of causing him excruciating pain. He said, forgive them. For they know not what they do. You see, Jesus took that opportunity to treat us in a way that we didn't deserve. And because of that, that love that he expressed to us made us free. And you know, the unlovely people around us, that's what they need to see and that's what they need to experience and that's what they need a taste of. And so when you love the unlovely, you're demonstrating to them the one that hung on the cross for them. They may not say it. They may not express it. But the Bible says that love never fails. His love never fails. And so when we're loving the unlovely, not only are we staying free from contamination, but we're also demonstrating God's love for that person in that moment who is unlovable. And they know they don't deserve what you're giving them. And it'll stick with them and it'll help them. You may not see an instant harvest, but if you get enough people to do that, baby, <laughs> they're going to come to Jesus. Amen. So how about that you and I make the decision this morning to walk in love. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a decision. I said, it's a decision. And so, I'm like you. I got to make that decision every day. Right? So, just repeat after me, and if you can, just, just mean it from your heart. All right, say this. I have received God's love. I didn't deserve it. I certainly didn't earn it. But he freely gave it to me. Therefore, I will give God's love to others. To those like me who are undeserving and who didn't earn it. I will bless them and not curse them. I will forgive them and believe for God's best to be theirs. Wow. 
We can only do that with his help. I say we can only do that with that love that's already in us. But if we'll just bring it on up and let it out, what you're doing will never fail. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for the love of God that's in our heart. We understand it's a valuable commodity that you've given us. Help us to draw upon it. Help us to walk in the light of it. Help us to, to pull it out of our hearts and cause it to be made manifest through how we treat others. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, thanks for coming out this morning. I'm glad you were here.